You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 126. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season eight of the Hello Awesome Podcast. I am so glad that you are here, and I am so glad to be back. Feels good being behind the mic again. I am JC Lee Pulford, your host, and I am going to bring you some incredible stories of transformation this season. Around this same time, exactly two years ago, during Testify, the fourth season of the podcast, you might remember our hearts and minds were changed as we heard multiple women of God share their coming to Jesus stories, including my own. You can re-listen to season four Testify, starting with episode 75 all the way through to episode 87. So as you wait for these new episodes to drop, you can always go back to enjoy those. This season, you are going to hear more real people sharing their real testimonies in between a Bible study on the fruit of the Spirit. Every other week here on the podcast, we are going to dive into Galatians 5, especially verses 22 and 23, to take a look at what makes up the fruit of the Spirit and why we must deny the lusts of the flesh in order to fulfill the calling that the Lord has placed on our lives. But today, we kick off this season, season eight, with our first guest sharing her story. Emily Scott is a worshiper and a boutique owner taking us through her past as a troubled teen before Jesus changed everything. I am giving these testimony episodes a parental advisory warning due to their content, so please put on some earbuds and use your discernment respectfully. Okay, guys, let's get into this first episode of the Hello Awesome Podcast, Season 8, Fruitful. This is episode number 126 that I am calling Church Connection with Emily Scott. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome Podcast, where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. As you know, every season I have wonderful friends that are willing to bless you with some deals, and this season is no different. Back again to sponsor the podcast is our good friends over at Nuggles. If you are looking for stylish yet comfortable modest clothes this season, Nuggles has the best items to add to your closet at an affordable price. Just use our special code HelloAwesome10 for 10% off at Nuggles.us. That's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S and upgrade your modesty game right now. It's hard to know what products are toxic for your skin these days, right? But shopping with Oneness Essentials, you won't have to worry about anything except how to not be completely obsessed. Like with their luscious lotion sticks, creamy body butter, and handmade cold-pressed soaps available in so many scents. Never worry about dry skin again Use code HELLO8 for 15% off your order at onenesssoapbiz.com. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z.com today. Kaylee is a modest shop for athletic apostolics and the daily go-getter. With quality stretchy skirts and dresses, 
Kaylee has what you need to make your wardrobe more versatile. Use code HelloAwesome15 for 15% off your order on their website, Kaylee.com. That's K-H-A-Y-E-L-Y.com. And check out their wide selection today. Listen, I love being artsy. You should know that. But my handwriting kind of isn't the best. Thankfully, we have the Graceful Pen, a place for joyfully handmade stationery and gifts to uplift, inspire, and encourage. Table cards, invitations, gift tags, and envelope calligraphy are just some of their beautiful services. I truly think the Graceful Pen is doing something so wonderful, and I hope you will take advantage of using our code SOHAP22 for 5% off your custom calligraphy service this season. Our last sponsor of the Hello Awesome podcast is truly changing lives while also nourishing our skin with a spa-like quality. Delish Lips offers organic skincare with aromatherapy while donating 100% of their proceeds to World Missions. Shop this unique but powerful ministry by going to delishlipsnaturalbeauty.com and consider the change you are contributing to all around the world in the name of Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. We are here with another guest for you. I love having guests on the podcast because they just share how much God has done in their lives and special stories that are unique to them because our God is such a unique and loving God. And Emily, I want to just thank you so very much for being on the podcast today. Today, I do not take it lightly. I know it takes bravery. It also <laughs> uh, takes uh, humbling ourselves to share our stories when we're vulnerable. But uh, before we get started, I would love it if you could just share a little bit about you, uh, who you are and what you do to the listeners. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I very uh, I appreciate it. Um, but my name is Emily. I'm from Arkansas. Um, I'm 24 years old. I own a modest clothing boutique here in Bryant. And then my parents also own a cupcake shop next door. So I kind of help them out as well. Um, I am a part of my church's worship team, as well as the children's ministry. Um, I obviously, I love music. I love traveling, spending time with my friends. And that's about it. <laughs> I love that. So what's the name yeah. of your, of your boutique? Uh, it's called MEC Boutique. Is that what they call you? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Girl, yeah. My name is Emily Sue and you know, I'm from Arkansas. So of course it's going to have that, you know, Southern twang to it. But um, my mother growing up, you know, if I was in trouble, it was Emily Sue, but if she was being sweet or I was being sweet, it was Emmy Sue. And then all the kids in my life, they call me Emmy. Um, it's like my nieces and nephews and everything. And so mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just decided to, you know, it'd be a cute little, cute little name. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So that's E-M-Y. Yeah. E-M-Y and then S-U-E and it's one word. Yeah. So I came across your Facebook post that went viral sharing your testimony, um, which I bet was a little bit scary and frightening for you. Um <laughs> Because I know that everybody has their own story about coming to the Lord or 
their own coming to God moment. And for some of us who weren't born in the church, that could be uh, very shocking um, to say the least. And so there are always a lot of layers to our stories, yours in particular. And I want to start from the beginning, which I believe happened when you were a teenager. So if you could just briefly share how your life was like um, as a teen and, and what were you going through? Absolutely. So, you know, everybody loves those good old teenage years. <laughs> um, so my sisters and I, so I'm the middle child um, of three girls. Um, and then it was my mother and then my youngest sister's father. So it was the five of us. Um, my mom and him, they had been married for a good portion of my life. My biological father left before I was born. Um, and so, you know, my parent, my parents at the time, they had their troubles. They ended up getting a divorce. I was about 12. Um, and then we ended up moving to Bryant. And, um, so, you know, it's a big change as a teenager, whenever you, you know, you have, um, this lifestyle and then all of a sudden it's, you know, abrupt with, a divorce. And, you know, most of the time the kids will go through the, you know, the phase of, you know, trying to get attention and all of that stuff. You know, I got into, um, drugs and smoking and, and drinking and acting out. Um, I, you know, just kind of got into trouble with boys and just, you know, anything to kind of seek, some kind of attention, I guess my mom worked all the time. Um, so there really wasn't anybody else. Um, we weren't really close to a lot of like our immediate family, as far as like grandparents and all of that stuff. Um, and it was just, you know, my younger sister, she still went to her dad's house and then my older sister, she had her friends and I was kind of, kind of a little bit of a loner. So anything that I could really do to just, you know, get attention from somebody. I was doing it pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's about, you know, the basic teenage mm-hmm. life of, you know, of, you know, the kids, the parents get a divorce and then you just start acting out and all of that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know exactly um, what you mean. Um, I think I was like eight years old when my parents split up. They hadn't gotten married yet, but it does something to a child because it's like your comfort is like ripped away. Mm -hmm. That safety of what you knew is gone. And then you also start questioning like, what is love? Does it even exist? Does it even matter? And whether we really have those questions and we're actually thinking about those questions, that really is what's going on like through our minds. And that's why you see a lot of kids that are hurting, you know, try and numb the pain as they say with like other things um yeah and for me personally like so my sister my older sister and I we had the same father he was around for like we're three years apart and he was around for the first two to three years of her life and then right before I was born he was gone Mm -hmm. and then my younger sister's father was around for 10 12 years of my life because it wasn't very far after I was born that my mother had met him and then, you know, he left. So it's like all the while I'm trying to find attention and, you know, seeking it elsewhere. I also develops like 
trust issues when it came to a father figure or like the male figure in general in my life. It was more of like, um, struggling with like abandonment issues. And, you know, a lot of people kind of like, you know, think of that as being extreme, but when you have, like, I mean, every, you know, person, every child should grow up with a mother figure and a father figure because each part is so crucial to a kid's growing up. Like, I mean, there are things that your mother can teach you that your, your father can't. And there are things that your father can teach you that your mother can't. Mm -hmm. And so to have that missing piece was definitely a struggle for me, especially as a teenager. And then growing, like growing up into my adulthood, you could definitely tell that it was, it was definitely harder on me, I guess you could say for sure. That does make sense. So how did God like enter into your story? Like what were the events that happened that I guess brought you to the awareness of like his existence and it collided with your, with your life? So about, I don't, I meant to look at the time frame, but maybe a year at most after we moved to Bryant, um, we lived in this little subdivision and our neighbor, um, he introduced himself to my mother and, um, you know, she always has those hesitations because, you know, she's she, at this time she had already had two husbands. So she was kind of like, Ugh, another male, you know, <laughs> there was those, the hesitation, the, the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and so he, you know, would invite us to church and, you know, he'd say hi, if he was walking down the sidewalk, um, And then one day my mom was sitting on the couch and she had the door open and he kind of just, you know, walked up to the door and, you know, did that little knock because, you know, the door was open. She's sitting close to it. So so that way she just knew he was there. And he, you know, was like, hey, I'm going to formally introduce myself. You know, maybe sometimes you'd like to join me and go to church. And so my mom was very like, hmm she had struggled with a lot in her, you know, childhood, adulthood, and church was never a thing for her. She, she had, you know, trust issues. She blamed God for a lot of things that went on in her life. Um, and so when he said church, it was an automatic, like, Ooh, you know, like maybe not, you know? And so he made it a point to introduce himself to my sister and I, and my younger sister. And, so, you know, he, he's like, Hey girls, you know, I'm so-and-so, you know, we have, you know, church services, we have great kids department, great youth department, great young adults department. Um, maybe you should come, you know, see what it's about. And so, um, with of course permission from my mom, now this is like over a span of time. So it's not like some stranger, you know, like, Hey, come to church. Um, right. so he like established a relationship with my mom and, you know, then established a relationship with us. And then one day it was like a Wednesday night. They had like a watermelon ice cream social gathering at our church. And he was like, you know, it'd be great as a summer thing. Like you can just come and, you know, meet everybody, say hi. It's not a church service. It's just a social gathering. And so my sisters and I, we ended up going, we ended up going. And, um, I mean, the second we walked in that church, it was like the atmosphere of like, 
just everybody being so welcoming and, you know, like um, the spirit of, you know, joy and happiness. And um, it was kind of like a, you belong here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it just, and it wasn't even a church service. So it's like, and I would say that's one of my favorite things about this church is I, I've been there ever since I stepped in that door, I've attended that church. And so that was 12, 13 years ago now. And it it was just one of those as a teenager, you know, you're seeking, you're constantly seeking for approval and for somewhere to fit in and to build, to feel loved. And when you walked into that place, that is literally what you felt. It was like, I'm home. This is where I belong. And it, it gripped my heart and got my sister's attention. And we knew that, you know, this is, this is it. This is where we belong. And I think I was there for about a year. I went to my first holiday youth convention, like that was in the summer. And then that December, I went to a holiday youth convention, got the Holy ghost for the very first time. And then the second, the the next service we got home, we were baptized in Jesus name. And it's just been wonderful ever since been there ever since. That's amazing. I love that. And, you know, it is so refreshing to hear that it all started with a neighbor because I think sometimes we are leery of some of our neighbors (laughs) or we, or we know only a couple on the block that we might, you know, trust or whatever. I have a pretty good neighborhood, but nowadays, especially we're always like, don't talk to strangers. (laughs) And, And it's like, for us church folk, we're like, no, but you're supposed to talk to us. We need to tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Um, but that's amazing, especially when you're at such a vulnerable age and you're a teenager or even when you're a young adult, like everything is so confusing. And you're trying to figure things out. And to have that reassurance, like when you walk into a place that um, at least your first impression isn't like overly judgmental, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of us, and I know I can speak from my experience, we feel out of place, you know, yeah. when we first get to, to like a church, when we haven't been. And so, so it, it really I is so was, important to feel welcome. So I missed a big, important part of that. That man ended up marrying my mom, adopting, oh. yes, adopting me and my older sister because our bi- biological father gave up parental rights. And so he is now my legal father. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was like, that's a big part because I was like, now they're gonna say, you know, this this creeper like invited them to church. This that, and I'm like, no, he's actually my dad now. (laughs) I love that so much. We always, we always tease my mom, and we're like, yeah, you know, you married the boy next door, and she literally did. So that is so cute. Yeah. (laughs) And just to think too, this is this is also a testimony of waiting for the right person he was waiting for the right person and literally dropped in his neighborhood oh my gosh I love that so much (laughs) I was like maybe I should add that because that's very important (laughs) (laughs) that's like a hallmark movie absolutely yeah he they ended up dating um and I think like the summer after I got the Holy Ghost was when they got married so it was like we started attending and you know she started going to church and all of that. And then, um, you know, all of that 
ended up falling into place and they, they got married. That's amazing. <laughs> they've, been mar- they've been married for 12 years now. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about of all the things that you experience leading up to that point and mm-hmm. all of the things that you struggled with. What did you find was the most difficult or the most challenging for you to let go of? Because I know some things God helps us with, like on the spot, but there are other mm-hmm. things that take a little bit of time. So just, you know, looking back for me, I think the hardest thing that I've struggled with, I mean, even from growing up to getting into church and even being an adult is my identity. And that sounds so cliche, like, you know, how would a teenager have an identity crisis? How would a young adult have an identity crisis? And for me, I was always seeking attention, seeking approval. Um, I wanted to be there for everybody, whether it was being the perfect best friend, being the perfect sister, being the perfect daughter, girlfriend, whoever it was, what can I do to please others? What can I do to make this person happy? What do I need to do to make this person happy? And so as a teenager, that can seriously affect you because especially depending on the groups you were in, like for me, I never really was in one particular clique. I was, I had friends with, I mean, I was friends with everybody. I was friends with the jocks, the cheerleaders, the, you know, choir kids, the, the mm-hmm. loners, like, but in order for me to do that, it was like, I had to change my personality for each group. So it wasn't like, you know, they were liking me and enjoying my presence for who I was. It was, I was forming this personality to make them like me. To, I mean, that's what I wanted. I wanted someone to, you know, look at Emily and be like, yeah, that's, you know, that's the person that I want to be. Like, I want to be just like her. And, you know, she's the cool kid. Like, you know, if we can, and for me and my mindset, I'm like, okay, so these kids are smoking this. So in order to be friends with them, that's what I need to do. These kids are drinking this. So in order to be friends with them, that's what I need to do. You know, this group is gossiping and, you know, they talk bad about so-and-so and and they, you know, talk about this. So that's what I need to do. And along the way, I just lost myself. I mean, I was so worried about fitting into whatever group I could fit into to feel appreciated, to feel loved, to feel like I was something. And for me, I think the biggest part um, or the most like scarring thing is if you're not careful, it will bleed over into your adulthood. I mean, like, it's no different than, um, like, yeah, it's in school, you know, you want to be popular, you want to be the popular kid. But then as an adult, I mean, you want to be the fun person, you know, you want to be the one everybody goes to when they want to have a great time. And, you know, you want everybody to come to you when they need somebody. And when you are so focused on being the person that, you know, everybody wants you to be, like I said, you just, you lose yourself. And for me, I became depressed. I constantly had anxiety. I turned to things that I shouldn't have to, you know, 
distract myself from those situations. I would turn to relationships and drinking and this, that, and the other. And in high school, I turned to, you know, cutting and because I was never happy. I was never like satisfied. I was constantly finding something to, you know, forget what I've done, what I've done with other people. And you just, I just lost myself. And I ended up having to go on to, you know, antidepressant medication. I ended up um, just driving myself crazy to please other people. And I think, I think that uh, that was probably the, the, the hardest thing that I experienced and the hardest thing once I found God and, and got a relationship with him, that was the hardest thing to let go was because now that I'm in church, I need to uphold the um, perception of what a church girl, a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a woman of, of God should do, like should, should act, mm-hmm. you know, dress this way, act this way. And, you know, I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm not supposed to, you know, do anything wrong. And so whenever I, you know, God was like, listen, you know, I know who you are. I know your thoughts. I know your heart. This is not you. And he was like, it's time to let it go. And I was in a season, a season of learning to let go of what people thought, what I've gone through, what people have done to me, what I have done to myself and focus on what God wanted me to be. Because I mean, when you truly fall in love with God and truly start to have that relationship with him, his wants will become your wants. His desires will become your desires. And ultimately that's, you know, the life goal of people in church is, you know, you want to, you and I live like God, act like God. And in order to do that, you have to let all of those things go. Yeah. I agree. And identity is a big thing. Obviously we know in this culture, but I think that's just because it's talked about more. It really Mm -hmm. has always been a big thing, especially to teenagers and especially to any new convert, because I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to remember as people who are in the church is they're not just giving up like one or two things. They're literally giving up everything they've ever known. Yeah. And the amount of grace we should have for them should be endless. Uh, because I, I know, and I know, you know, from, from firsthand experience is there are so many questions that you're faced with that you didn't even think you would have to face. And you realize that you have to rely on what God says. You have to rely on who he says that you are because you can't go back to how life used to be because you no longer see it that same way. You, your, your eyes are open to a better way, you know, God's way, a new life. And this, this makes me think of like all the things that you've experienced. um, How has that shaped? your opinion of like today's teenagers and what they're going through? So before our call, I, you know, was studying and, and 
thinking about that question because, and I, you know, did some research and found that the age group with the highest percentage of depression is ages 18 to 29. And then 20% of all teenagers experience depression before they even reach the age of 18. And for me to have experienced those statistics and those, you know, numbers, for me to have personally experienced that makes me want to try even harder to reach those teenagers and young adults that are currently experiencing it. Because for me, I've experienced it, but I have found my solution and that is God. And I mean, there's a freedom in God that you can't find anywhere else. There's joy, there's peace, there's, you know, freedom of, of any addiction, thoughts, um, lifestyles that you may have. And it's my job now to reach those that have experienced the same things I have and to share with them what I have found in God. And for me to see those statistics is very heartbreaking because I know what they're feeling. I know what they're going through. And I know that what God has done for me, he can do for them. And so for me personally, I just, I try so hard to let them not feel like they're alone because mm. 20% of all of the of teenagers in America, that's a lot of teenagers. And so clearly, you know, they're not the only ones going through that, but I should have looked up the percentages of like, young adults or teenagers, you know, in that age group that are actually like actively in church because that number could turn around and help the numbers that still need to be reached. And I just, for me, having experienced it, knowing what God can do for them just puts an even bigger burden on me to let God use me to reach those that are still hurting and still need to find the truth. I love that. I mean, I don't love the statistic, obviously really horrible and terrible. And it just goes to show the mental state of 18 to, you know, 29 year olds. Um, We really do need to, like I said, have more grace, especially for that age group. I think it's easy for us to have all these expectations for people that age and not realizing that that's probably not helping their healing or their development, you know? Um, I think it's okay to have, you know, healthy expectations so that they have something to reach towards. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it has to come from obviously a godly source, like a God, you know, the Lord should really influence that because I think the more pressure that we put on, on kids, especially teenagers or young adults who are going through hard times, um, the least likely that they're going to be pulled out, out of it. Uh, they're just, right. it's just going to add, you know, more to their pile that they're already probably just putting on themselves or that they're feeling from society and, and things in general that are happening in their life. And we never know what people are going through. Um, and uh, it's one of those things that even with you thinking about what you went through, I'm sure you didn't even think you would you would be in church at all ever because I know that was me. I remember Absolutely. being around that age, you know, 18, 19, 20, 
and laughing at church people thinking how foolish they are and joking around and mocking them. And that literally is the mindset out in the world. And so it's easy for us as church people to like want to argue back. Mm -hmm. But I really think if we do respond in love and realize that poverty is coming from a hurting place, um, (laughs) then we could do more, more good. So I, I would love it if you could just take a minute and just, you know, and just share what would you say to those young people? I have it written down in church, but I guess in general, who are struggling with their mental health and possibly their sexuality. I know we don't like to talk about it, but there are young people in the church struggling with both. Oh, yeah. What would you say to them today? So when I first, it was one of my first youth rallies. And so, I mean, I was not like, you know, I had had the Holy Ghost baptizing Jesus name, but it was still all new. So I was still in that like, quote unquote, transitioning phase. Um, I hate to say it that way, but I mean, just to kind of, you know, envision it that way. But the speaker that night, his name was Nathan Smith, and he was talking to those youth and young adults that were attending church, but they weren't in church. Like they were new. They weren't at, like they weren't, you know, in it yet. And he said that there were three P words that he wanted to instill in their minds for them to think about after they left. And the first one was he wanted them to position themselves, position themselves to God, to put themselves in the position where they could be used, where they weren't closed off their minds, their hearts were open and receptive to what God had for them that night. And even after that night. So he wanted them to put like remove distractions, whether it was a relationship, parents, work, school, remove the distractions and just position themselves to be receptive to what God had for them. And the second one was to prepare. And he said he wanted, he wanted them to, in order to prepare themselves for what God had for them, they needed to pray. They needed to be fasting. They needed to read the Bible. They needed to find someone in the church or even like a friend that's in church or a family member that's in church that they could really trust that they could talk to about anything. And for that, that is so important. That was one of the things that really hooked me into coming to church was I found somebody that I clicked with and that was already in church, had been in church for years. And I established that relationship to where when something was struggling and and I was struggling with something or something was bothering me, I was able to go to them. So, um, like I was bisexual when I first started going to church. I, um, right before I started going to church, I was in a, I was in a relationship with a, with a girl. And that was one thing that I heavily struggled with as a teenager. And I was able to go to that person and talk to them without, in a, in like a judgment free zone. And for that, I was forever grateful because they were able to guide me to lead me in the direction that I needed to, in order for me to get past it. And so when you are um, preparing yourself, you you want to make sure that you have somebody in the church that you can talk to. And then that third one is to propel. So you're going to position yourself to 
be receptive to what God has. You're going to prepare by fasting, um, set, removing any distractions, finding someone you can go to when something does come up. And then when God has finally given you, you know, your, your calling, what you're supposed to do, you propel, you don't stay where you're at. You don't hold on to it. You don't bury it. You let God use you. And for me personally, those three things have helped me get to where I am. It, I mean, obviously there were a lot of, a lot more factors, but I would tell any teenager that is looking for something that is, I mean, looking for, you know, a church to call home or is already in church, but needs that next step or needs a push or somebody that has even been in church their whole life, that if they continue to pray and they continue to prepare themselves and to position themselves to what God wants for them and what God has in store for them, then everything else will fall into place. You won't feel alone. You ha- you'll have a family. You'll have your church family. You open yourself up to relationships in the church that you never thought you'd have. Cause for me, I mean, I've been in it 12 years and I'm still meeting new people and mm-hmm. people that I can relate to and people that have struggled with the same things that I have, even through like social media. I mean, there are so many negative things that go around social media, but like one positive thing is I've met so many people that have struggled with homosexuality, has struggled with addiction, has struggled with um, depression, anxiety, and it's so encouraging to know that, you know, you're not alone, even in the church. Like there are still people in the church that are not perfect, that have the struggles. Um, right. So just to remember that, you know, you're not alone, whether you're just getting into church, you've been in it for years. There's, there's always somebody else. There's always a group of people that are there for you and that know what you're going through. Right. That's so good. But yeah, I really appreciate what you just shared. That's so powerful. And I am so glad that you found a safe person to talk to because I don't think that's the case for a lot of people. Um, but that is the beautiful thing about social media is that we could find each other. We could find somebody who we um, could trust as far as a godly person, a godly influence, um, hopefully another apostolic um, if we are struggling with, with these things, especially if you're a young person in the church, um, hiding it, it's not going to go away. Absolutely. It's going to come back at some point. It's going to be something that you're going to have to deal with, that we're going to have to deal with, um, especially when it comes to our identity. And I know for me, that was a struggle. I also had a lot of trust issues, you know, with men. And I remember even when I was on the phone um, with Jonathan at one time, I had talked about you know possibly wanting to date you know the same sex I was like oh maybe I should date a girl or something just in (laughs) passing it's just like literally Mm -hmm. something that is not even thought thought of as far as like uh you don't really overanalyze it in the world it's just kind of like uh yeah sure why not you know um which is kind of which is kind of sad because it should be it should be a big deal Um, right and uh, they treat it like it's not. So I, I had the question, and you kind of talked a little bit about it, but what, like, what has God taught you? And it was probably a lot, but 
what has God taught you about biblical sexuality versus obviously that in the world through your experience and becoming apostolic? For me personally, I, you know, it's always very touchy and especially right now. And I mean, even right now it's, you know, pride month. So everybody is, you know, pushing that. And, you know, the environment nowadays is so, if you're not gay, you're not bi, you're not trans, then you're in the wrong. Like then, you know, it's, why, why aren't you this way? And I watched a video with, um, it was brother Bernard, David Bernard, and he was talking about, um, homosexuality and he made the comment that so many people think that, um, like in the LGBTQ community that they make the statement, you're born this way. And he made the comment that it's not, you're not born that way. It's, not an identity. It's not what you identify as. It's what you're acting on. So if, you know, you're constantly around situations where, you know, you have those thoughts because we're born into sin. So obviously sin is there. It's whether or not you act on it. So for me personally, I struggle. I mean, you'll have those desires of, you know, if, if you're bisexual or gay or, you know, whatever, it's whether or not you act on it. I always try and be obviously respectful and I'm always careful. Obviously what I say, not because of fear, but be, but out of respect, you know what I mean? Right. For the person's yeah. soul. And I have family that are not in church and I am, am trying to always be careful um, not to make them feel alienated or anything like that, because if something were to happen, I would want to still have that open communication, that that open path that they know they could talk to me about anything Absolutely. or they could yeah. come to me about anything, especially something like this. And one of the things that really burdens my heart is just because I don't advocate for something doesn't mean that I hate it. Like hate the person. Yeah. It's the sin because sin destroys. And the reason why homosexuality is a sin, besides the fact that it's um, going against the, the makeup of how we are as men and women and kind of going against the family makeup that God placed in the first place. It's also telling God that, no, I'm not going to take, the identity that you've given me, I'm going to make my own. Absolutely. And I think that's where we have to, when we're talking to people, if it comes up, we can do it in a way that is honoring God without, I guess, destroying people in negative ways, because it is going to come across negative anyway, because nobody's going to want to hear it, um, especially in this day and age. But I think there is always a respectful, loving way that we could talk to people about this without having to talk down to them and being condescending and being like mean spirited, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when it's such a touchy subject, especially nowadays, and whenever, you know, you have somebody in the church that or somebody that's coming to church and, you know, they're publicly 
um, gay or, you know, bisexual. And they're honestly putting forth the effort to, you know, go to church and to live right. You have to be so careful not to fall into the, you know, judgment of, well, you know, you're gay, you're, you know, you're bisexual. Like you, so many people put up that wall of, you know, like, but yes, that's like, I mean, you put that kind of attitude, that kind of attitude and homosexuality is equivalent, like sin is sin, whether you think like, you know, this sin is greater than this sin. sin, it's different. Like it's a different kind of sin, but it's on the same level. It's the same. You always have to be careful with how you approach it for sure. Besides the fact that it's everywhere, these are subjects that we should at least discuss with our young people and teenagers in the church, because if we aren't talking about it, it doesn't mean they're not talking about it. Yeah. Like you said, you had somebody safe to go to to talk to. We would, I would hope that many of us would be safe person for those teenagers well and especially with you know this subject or even you know just anything and any struggle in general for me it's whenever I know somebody is coming to me or whenever I have a friend that comes to me I am always Lord give me the eyes to see the heart to feel the the ears to listen and the arms to hug because I don't know what they need to hear from me. I don't know what they need spoken into their life, but let me be led by him because I don't ever want to say the wrong thing. I want them to, you know, feel comfort and in coming to me, but I also, you know, want to lead them correctly. And um, I mean, I think, I, I feel like, anybody in our in, in church should like in general just you know have that approach to any situation even if you're not comfortable like if you, somebody feels comfortable coming to you but you're not comfortable about the situation you should just you know direct them and you know to a person that you know you feel should like would approach it differently or approach it the way that maybe that person needs to hear it even if you're I mean even if you're not the that person that they need to talk to I mean you're always you know just an ear for somebody to listen or um or just to talk to or or whatever but just to kind of be willing to listen and guide them you know in the path that they might need so how can we as like the church help new take new teenagers coming into the church or young people coming into the church, like how can we better serve them? Like what helped you? I think one of the things that I remember the most whenever I first started going to church and attending church was it wasn't always like church topics of conversation. Like it was never, you know, throwing the Bible in your face kind of thing. Like it was, they established a relationship they establish that um, connection with the, you know, new members and the, the new converts. And then, then they like, you know, found a, a doorway to start talking about church or, you know, if, or standards for me personally was um, a thing like, 
you know, I went to church for maybe a year, a year and a half before I even started wearing skirts, Mm -hmm. but the women that I looked up to and I have established a relationship at the time with, they knew how I felt. They knew, you know, they knew my personality. They had established that relationship. They knew that, you know, they could approach it in a specific direction to where, you know, I wouldn't get upset or, you know, I would be understanding or, you know, stuff like that. So I feel like if church members would put first the connection and try to connect with um, the newer members that it would open up that door to um, having those conversations. Because I mean, these are all very like personal, you know, if you, if, if this is, if it's, if I'm struggling with something, I'm not just going to go to some random person at church. I'm going to go to someone at church that has, you know, it took the time to, you know, talk to me, you know, established a relationship and I feel comfortable with talking about those kinds of things. Um, I'm not just going to, you know, run up to someone random and just be like, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Um, so I feel like, I feel like establishing a relationship foremost is very, very important. Um, and, and when you do have that relationship, then you can, um, help lead, help guide and instruct those that, you know, have, have started to come to church. Yeah, that's really good. I like that you said connection. That's so, so, so important. It's so easy for us to think like talk at people instead of like talking Mm -hmm. with people. Absolutely. Yeah. And we want to like unload like all of the 10 commandments, (laughs) all of the, (laughs) whatever knowledge. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And like the first day and it's like, hold up okay you don't right. give a, a baby a, a a drumstick you know what I mean right <laughs> you give them a bottle full of milk and you let them take their time and absolutely. eventually then you could give them a little bit of meat <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah and connection too it's just it's honestly just acknowledging hey you're a real person I'm a real person here's what we have in common and let's just chat a little bit and we make it so difficult and I think sometimes we make it so clinical we make mm. it so like impersonal um, because we have like a goal for, I don't know, soul winning or we have a goal for uh, filling the church pew. And I'm just saying this in general. I'm not thinking of a specific person or church yeah, or anything okay. like that. But, you know, sometimes it's that like mindset that we have of just like we got to fill them, you know, fill these seats. We got to make them come in. And it's like, yeah, but I heard someone say that God's into the marinating He's not into mm-hmm. microwave ministry. Absolutely. You know, it's like, yeah, marinating takes time. It's that connection. It's like getting real with people. Absolutely. Uh, don't just like um, have this like instant pot, you know, like <laughs> we <laughs> want everything yeah. right here, right now, fast food type, you know, mentality mm-hmm. when it comes to souls. I think we have to be careful with that, especially young people, teenagers who are coming with their own, you know, everybody comes with baggage, of course, but they're coming with a whole different level, uh, such a vulnerable age. And like you said, dealing with identity, probably dealing with sexuality, probably 
uh, depression and and anxiety and addiction, all sorts of things. And if you're going to just have them sit there but not connect with them, then what's the point? Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, you want kids and young adults and youth, they're looking for something real. They don't want, and they're looking for something eternal. Like they don't want Mm -hmm. something that is going to, you know, satisfy them or, you know, give them attention for just a moment. They want something that's going to last. And I mean, not all relationships, friendships, you know, they last forever, but in the church world, it's very important to, you know, have those, those people that once you establish it, you, it carries on. It's not just for a brief moment or for a brief situation. It's one of those things where, you know, you always have somebody that you can go to no matter what. Yeah. I actually, um, have a couple of teenagers who are my nieces. And one of them said to me, you know, the biggest turnoff for a teenager, especially in the church is when an adult talks to them in a patronizing way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, tell me more, you know, because we think sometimes like how we talk to them is like on point, but they can smell a phony from a mile away. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) I agree with you. They're just like, just be real with me. Stop talking down to me or acting like I don't know anything. Uh, Because most teenagers, even though they might act like they know everything, I doubt they'll claim to know everything. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's all in our approach and in our connection and making sure we're actually like talking with them like they're real people because they are. Absolutely. So I want to just give you some time to share anything else about your story or about what what you've learned that might help, you know, anybody out there um, any age, really, if they're struggling with depression, if they're really questioning their identity, no matter how old they are, just dealing with some things in the church that you dealt with um, outside and in the church, just whatever God has placed on your heart. I wanted you to just have some time, wanted you to just have time to just speak on that and to and to kind of dive into that, um, whatever you feel led to. For those that are struggling with anxiety and depression, um, an identity crisis, um, their homosexuality, it is so imperative that you know that you are not alone. No matter you're, you know, not in church, getting into church, been in church for years, everybody struggles with something and you're not the first, you're not going to be the last, but it is so important for you to know that you're not alone, that I mean, when the world will fail you, God will be there. He will never forsake you. And if, if it's, if it's imperative that you have somebody to talk to, find someone, whether it's your pastor, your student pastor, um, a family member in church, a friend in church, just find somebody that you can talk to because it's important for you to know that you're not alone. And that, I mean, find your outlet. For me, it was for my struggling with in, with depression and anxiety, mine was always worship. I could my outlet was worship. If you know, I 
noticed that, you know, during the, the mornings I would be more upset or at the nights I would be more upset. So I created a upbeat playlist of worship music. That was my favorite. And I would start my day off with worship. I would end my day, end my day with worship. And for me personally, that has helped my attitude and outlook on everything because when I'm struggling with something or I'm having a bad day and I turn my eyes, I turn my heart, I turn my mind to God and just put my attention on him. All of those little things become so small. And when you have your heart and your mind and you solely sell yourself out to God, nothing else matters. And all of those struggles and those doubts and, you know, all of those thoughts, they just, they go away. Oh, so good. Well, Emily, I really appreciate your time and I would love it if you would just let everybody know where they could find you on social media, where they could message you, chat with you, all the things. Absolutely. Um, my name is Emily Scott. Um, I have Facebook, I have Instagram and that's about it. I'm not really that sociable as far as social media goes, but just yeah, Facebook and uh, and Instagram. <laughs> it's okay. That is plenty. <laughs> plenty on there. <laughs> well, thank you, Emily, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate you for having me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Live? I would be so encouraged. Also, please leave a five-star review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sharing how God used this to bless you. Don't forget to subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome and shop inspirational products, head to HelloAwesome.live using the promo code Hello10 for 10% off your next purchase. Until next time, keep your chin up beautiful.